This is the JWN Podcast. Nora Roy grew up in the Charleston area, but relocated to Brooklyn to further pursue her music career. brought her back to her hometown for a brief period, and it was during that time that I got to see her perform, as well as work in the music business in in other ways. And uh, we'll we'll touch upon that in the episode. She lists Dolly Parton alongside Sharon Van Etten and PJ Harvey as her influences, and it shows in all the best ways. We had such a fun time getting to know all about each other, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Nora Roy. other than I just needed to slow down yeah. and this time of year right when the kids end up end school mm-hmm. like this whole area like it you can feel it it's like we just dropped 20 pounds like <laughs> like traffic lightens up the pace slows down a little bit as people kind of like break for summer and go on their vacations yes and, yes yeah and I was like I am going to use this time to like reorganize my life and it's done wonders. It's like I'm so much happy. I'm like X percent happier and feeling better. And, and I'm like, okay, great. This is a good time because it's about I started this podcast like a year ago. Oh, wow. And so it was like I started out like putting out two, three episodes a week. I was like running. I was hitting the ground running. Right. I was like, I'm going to do all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, so much. I don't I don't I'm going to burn out. <laughs> And yeah, so so I, I'm happy to be sitting here with you today. Oh, thank you for having me. I love <laughs> meeting people just stumbling through life in, in such fun ways as uh, shooting some, some um, one-off concert <laughs> yes. at the Charleston Music Hall. I was taking photos uh, for the Lilith Fair tribute. That's correct. Yes. And that's when I met you. Yes. And you were, what did you sing that day? That was, there were so many good songs uh, that day from everybody. I sang um, Joan Osborne, One of Us. I sang Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? Yes, yes. By Paula Cole and uh, Carnival by Natalie Merchant. So those songs, um, well, the whole, that whole concert was filled with songs that was just like, ah. Oh, Oh, I forgot about this song. Oh, this is a great one. Um, but it's funny to see the song choice and you kind of get an idea. And then when yeah. I when I looked at your bio and you're like Sharon Van Etten, and I was like, <laughs> okay, uh, all right. I, I've got a clear picture. And then listening to your music, I started to think, okay, I don't, I, I'm, I hear the sounds of, of what you're saying and all that stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. hearing the production quality. And I'm like, okay, is this a situation where you're more of a lo-fi 
fan. And I don't mean like, in a, I mean that in a positive no, no. way, in the most positive way. Or was that just like, hey, this is the situation I find myself in. I'm going to record with what I got type of thing. Or was that the desired sound? Because I love it. I was like instantly like, okay, this is. <laughs> Thank we're, you. You ever listen to music and go like, oh, I'm going to get along with this person Aww. if I ever met them. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Um, I, I think personally it was just kind of like, I off, obviously love lo-fi music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that most of the stuff that I listen to is lo-fi. Um, and uh, I love beautifully produced, clean music as well. Yeah. But I just feel like for what I'm writing and uh, with the my friends who I worked on it with, I felt like that was kind of the sound that I wanted to go go with. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I like grew up listening to grunge and like shoegaze and even punk and mm-hmm. even soul and R&B because my mom was really into Motown, so... And jazz. So I just kind of, you know, just kind of tried to tried to blend maybe some of those. I'm not sure what it sounds like to others, but I, right. you know, I, I, yeah. Well, well, I hear the Sharon Van Etten, but I also hear like a tinge of like, I, I think it might be more of the vocal thing, but also the phrasing, a little bit of Lord Huron, like a little folk, okay. like contemporary folk yes. rock type thing where they, they kind of tinge on the, on the um, rockabilly thing. Yes. Which I didn't realize until I saw them live for the first time. And I was like, oh, they're like a closet rockabilly band. Right. <laughs> they want to be a rockabilly band, but they're disguising themselves as a folk band. Yeah. And they're they're doing pretty well. I've, I'm not familiar with a lot of their music, but I know the super popular song. What is it? I do love that song. Uh, the, the, which one? I know there are a lot of super popular ones, but I can only think the of the one. one. The yeah, first the first one. one. Um, I don't know. It's I'm kind so of a terrible. throwback. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, classic thing. It's yeah. the something about a river. I don't know. Some, yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have. And then Phoebe Bridgers did like a. Oh, a, I didn't know that. She sang, I believe, back up on one of their songs. Uh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Phoebe. I, I, look, we. I, ha- <laughs> I haven't podcasted in a few weeks, and I all, within the first ten minutes, I've brought up Phoebe Bridgers. There you go. <laughs> that poor lady (laughs) she's doing pretty well she's she's crushing it right now yeah well she she was the right artist for the moment of 2020 yeah she captured that that desperation that sadness that 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 emotion of just like mm, yeah it was just a a low-key anger sadness thing she captured it and then put a pretty little bow on it with her amazing vocals yeah and talk about lo-fi like her performances that she was doing especially early on in 2020 whenever she because she's she's putting out this amazing album she's got to promote it and she came up with all these creative ways to do like guest spots and then yeah like playing on like a little electronic keyboard thing like a midi keyboard yeah Yeah. uh, in a tub (laughs) for like (laughs) stephen colbert you know like huh So yeah, she definitely uh, she definitely knocked it out of the park with what she had. Definitely. So I mean, I guess that goes back to like what I'm what I'm saying. Like when you so the people you were hanging out with at the where did you record that? Um, so I recorded that EP in New York at uh, I can't remember the name of the studio, but my friends um, they have a 
their name, their kind of like producing and engineering name together is uh-huh. Gravesend Recordings. Nice. Uh, that's my friend Carlos Hernandez and Julian Fader. Um, so Carlos produced it with me in the studio with my friend Nick Jenkins. Um, mm. You know Nick Jenkins, don't you? That's a name that has come up on this podcast yes. before. Unfortunately, he doesn't live here no more. He doesn't live here anymore. <laughs> but he's a gym, and everyone that's ever met him will he agree. Is, yeah, he's one of those rare, rare people that you're like, yes. Oh, yeah. If somebody says they didn't like him, I then you automatically know you're person. not going to like that person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like the sweetest guy, the sweetest and talented is. Talented is not the correct word. I know. There should be like a talented plus. Yes. I think he's genius level. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so I, I kind of got lucky because he was coming into town to play some shows with Valley Maker. Hmm. Um, and he said, oh, I'm going to be there at this time. That's awesome. I'll just come a couple days earlier. And so he was there for four days with me in the studio. Um. So he, myself, and Carlos worked on it for four days and put it out into the world. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you. Uh, there, there's, uh, I mean, the sound of it alone. Besides, but then the songs are just are are fun and and they're raw. Yeah, they're kind of like punk rock. They're a little punk rock because <laughs> they're, they're just stripped down to the basics. You know, you, yeah, guitar, bass, a little bit of keyboard, and drums. Yeah, we kind of wanted to keep it simple. I'm I'm working on some new stuff here that's a little more, um, I guess, since they're both kind of lo-fi. It's, mm. But it, I would say it's a little more poppy lo-fi, less Americana-esque vibes from this one. Um, but I'm really excited about it. And got some local musicians who came in to play some session spots and help me out with stuff. Heck yeah. Arrangement and... Yeah, I'm pumped about that. Where did you go to? Who, who did you go to? There, there's Wait two up. that stick out, but there's so many options. Who are you gonna say? I was gonna say it's it it, it might either be <laughs> uh, Matt Zutel or um, Wolfgang Zimmerman. Wolfgang, there you yes, go. <laughs> it is Wolfgang Zimmerman, my friend. Yeah, he's he's another one that's just like he's, he's kind of a glue that. Everyone seems to know, yes. Uh, but you know, anyone that's in kind of that music scene, anyone who who pays attention to how things are made, yes, know who Wolfgang is. He's got his fingers in everything. Yes. We'll just say that. Um, yeah. I, so I I knew of Wolfgang 10, 12 years ago uh, when my friend Grace Joyner was kind of working on her first song mm. with him, um, and we had mutual friends and. I remember listening to the first song she recorded and I was like, wow, that's great. Sounds amazing. Um, But we never met. So we didn't have like a friendship, but we just knew of each other. Um, And then I moved to New York and I came back during the pandemic just to get out of the city (laughs) and take a breather um, as one does. Yeah. New York's great till you go through a catastrophe. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was there for for the thick of it. Um, I came back to Charleston in November of last year. So been here for a good six months, but, um, yeah, I decided to reach out to him and figured why not use this time to, you know, in New York, you're just, you're doing the rat race. It's so Mm -hmm. hard to take a break and, uh, work on your, 
creative stuff when you're working all the time and, um, yeah, you know, and it costs is, money. The pace is, yeah. Yes. Pace is outstanding. It's, you're running all the time. All the time. If you're, if you're uh, leisurely walking down the street in New York, you're going to get barreled over. Yes. Yes. And so every time, everywhere you go, when you get to wherever you're working, it's like, you're going to get surpassed if you're not running top speed throughout the day in whatever it is you're doing. So yeah, taking the time to like slow down and reflect. Yes. It, it's, it's difficult. You have to, you have to escape. <laughs> yeah, you do. Um, and it has been nice to, to be able to have that escape here and I'm so grateful for it. It's, um, it's, a, it's a almost polar opposite here. It's not as, it's not as bad as it used to be. I imagine. Because if you grew up here, I'm sure yeah. it's way more <laughs> hot, fast paced than it used to be. Right. Yeah. But even still, like you can see like the, you can't rush to get anywhere here because you're not going to make it on time no matter what you try. No. <laughs> you're right. It, it still is a polar opposite, even with, you know, people moving here and the population going up. But it's it changed a, a good bit, but it's still a southern city and there's still a different vibe than yeah. there is in a big city like New York or LA. There's a four, there, you're forced into slowing down. Yes. Like you cannot keep that pace here because no one will let you. Right. People will be <laughs> like, you're insane. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. you, you want to do that at this time of day? No, no, you can't. Don't think so. No. So let's, 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 let's dial it back a few years. Okay. So you grew up in this Charleston area. I did. Tell me about your tell me about your upbringing. Where where did creativity kind of sink its claws into Nora Roy? Um, I guess I've always been interested in music since I was a kid. Um, I didn't really have any training or you know. I I remember getting a keyboard and just being like, oh, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> Isn't that, that the worst? <laughs> it's the worst. Someone looking, gave you the keys to the cast and you're like, I know. this ain't mine. Now I'm like uh, <laughs> texting my friends, hey, can you give me some lessons? Because I really want to learn piano. Um, so, yeah, I kind of wish that I would have indulged in in <laughs> piano courses or, you know, anything when I was little. But I did not. But I loved music. And um, like I said, my mom has always been a huge jazz fan. And my dad, you know, rock and roll like the door. So there was always music around um, and R&B. One of my favorite albums that I listened to over and over and I was probably 10 years old was Al Green's Greatest Hits. Heck yeah. <laughs> Something about that album hits kids. I mean, it's like good. Like young, like prepubescent. Like some, you, know, you, you don't know what he's talking about. Right. Like but let's stay together. It. You don't. You have no concept of what's going on in that song, but you feel it. It's the emotion, I think. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he's got he's got some sort of quality about him that he he, he hits you with a vibration, like yes, at a core level. So he could be singing about making Lego castles, and <laughs> you'd be like, "That's beautiful." Yes, <laughs> and his voice and just everything about that. Um. But yeah, so then later in my preteens, I got a guitar when I was probably 14 and taught myself some chords. And Did you have a, a friend or a peer that was a guitar player that was a few years ahead of you that you were just like, oh, I've got, I've got to talk to that person. Did you have like that kind of person? You know, I didn't really have that kind of person. My brother played a little bit around the house um, and had friends of friends, but no one that I kind of was like, oh, yeah. I, I mainly just listened to so much music 
mm-hmm. and bought so many CDs. <laughs> um, and I would like read the the inserts and see who produced it. And even though I had no idea about any of that stuff or how it worked, oh, yeah. I would just read everything about it. Um, it's fun now to go back and look at like, oh, wow, that yes. person produced like this album and this other completely different album, right. but I loved both of them. And now you're like, kind of put it together. You're like, oh, that's why. Right. With completely yeah. different sounds and, you know, um, so I was really into that and just consuming so much music when Kazaa was a thing. I'm showing my age when Kazaa I like and Napster how were a thing. How, <laughs> I downloaded so many. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so many songs. Um, yeah, and I just, I was kind of obsessed with music and had this idea of like starting my own label, but I didn't really practice or play or write music at that time. I would like write poetry or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really start playing a lot until my early 20s. And then again, took like a break and didn't do anything. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do this as, you know, full time. And so I was kind of a late, late starter in that. I always hung around musicians, always had musician friends from Charleston and in New York, but. I don't know. I think part of me just didn't think I was good enough. So, unfortunately. Isn't that the saddest thing in the world? It is. Looking to, back now, I'm like, what, what? You just have to kind of own it and do whatever, no matter what you sound like. Anyone making music can be an artist. You can hit a key on a keyboard and you're making music, you know? I, I feel like there, there's, if people were to understand even the most amazing musicians the most the nick jenkins of the world (laughs) uh when you when you strip it down to its core it's it's attainable to to be able to get that skill now to get his vision no that's that's unique to him but to get anyone's skill level yeah you could put in the time you could do that and, and and to feel like that imposter syndrome, that's the, it, right. the early onset imposter syndrome when it's kind of probably true because you're not good enough yet technically. Right. But <laughs> but the when it gets in the way of progress, like, ah, I can't do that. And just not doing it. Right. So that's so upsetting. It's like that um, ever evolving procrastination will <laughs> just keeps going until you kind of decide to to break it and like, no, you know what? I am good enough and but stop you, comparing yourself to others. But then you see someone like Jenna Desmond, who, who was also in that. And, and the way she got started in Susto was, was like almost on a lie. Like, Oh, they needed a bass player. And Corey's like, Hey, I, you know, yeah. <laughs> I know this person who plays bass. She never picked one up before. Like a couple of weeks later, she's playing in a, a nationally touring act. Perfect. I think and, that's awesome. And, and, but you know, she did, totally did the fake it to him. Now she's, you know, she plays guitar and bass and, and, yeah. and she's fantastic. Yeah. But and it, honestly, just like being thrown into something is, and like you're saying, like just, you may have, you may tell Fib and not say if you're exactly this great player, but you'll learn and grow as you do it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I wish there was a class on like a Presley Randall from Baby Yaga. Like if you're familiar with her. Same- I met her and I'm, I've listened to Baby Yaga, but I don't know her very well. So her, her story is very similar as far as like, she decided I want to play guitar and before even playing for a year. Someone, she figured out how to play like an open tuning, like an o- drop D kind of like open <laughs> yeah, tuning yeah. thing. Drop D. And she's like, oh, this is all I need. <laughs> and she puts out that EP and it's, it's I, I believe she recorded with Wolfgang. Um, Zimmerman. I think, 
Either maybe. Wolfgang or Matt, maybe. One of them. One of I should, them. I, yeah. I should probably not say. I believe. <laughs> but it's, I mean, they put amazing production around her, but at its core, when you strip it down, you can hear, like, it's just her playing kind of like these open chords yeah. in a grungy kind of fashion, but it's really just her expressing herself with what she's got. Right. And then putting, you know, they put kind of like a nice little package around it of, of, of seasoned musicians and excellent production and yeah. made this beautiful thing out of it. And then you see them live and they, they can pull it off, you know? So it's, it's, it's fan, it's really kind of cool. But that whole thing of uh, going back to where we started talking about the garage kind of sound, that mm-hmm. lo-fi kind of recorder in a room yeah. type of thing is always interesting to me because it forces you to listen to the heart of the song. You're not getting the glitz. You're not right. getting this amazing, right. um, re- you know, sounding performance of a professional studio musician as much as you're just getting the song. The rawness. The, the real. rawness of it. Yeah. yeah. And you're kind of getting an idea like you feel like you're sitting in a practice space with with an artist and this is what how they are experiencing this song when they were making it. And so there's something cool about that. Definitely. Because you feel like you're part of the band almost. But you know? I do like to hear like uh, an over-the-top wall of sound type of thing yeah. as well. Like my tastes go from the Same. most obscure guided by voices recording that like it sounds like he, you know, stuck a, a recorder in a bathtub yes. and, and stood on the other side of his house. Yes. <laughs> like I can appreciate that. And then I can appreciate the most overproduced crazy uh, thing ever, mm-hmm. which I don't know. You pick it, pick one pet sounds. I don't know. I know. Yeah. Pet sounds. Oh my God. Pet sounds. What a great, great album. I've been on a, on a, on a, uh, on a weird music kick lately. I've just been diving into stuff. I've been going and, and watching YouTube videos. I don't know. Yeah. Did you grow up? YouTube was still not really a thing when you started playing <laughs> at the beginning of the Kazaa stage. <laughs> right. It wasn't. <laughs> but it you was, had tab kind of websites and things like that. Yeah. Where you could learn music that way. And I think in, you know, when I was like 20, there were a couple of YouTube viral videos, but YouTube was very new. So. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like, like now, like you're saying, where you can, if you want to look up an artist and hear what they sound like, you just type in their name. I mean, this morning I was watching music theory lessons on YouTube. Yeah. Of just stuff because I played punk rock. Like I went straight from like, you know, I traded a Game Boy for a guitar and (laughs) and my friend who who traded the the guitar to me taught me a bunch of chords and taught me how to read tablature. And that was it. But I never had music theory lessons. I never understood the why of right. things. Like, why does this note go with this note? Yes. Like, all of that. So it's fun now in my 40s to go back and listen and learn and try to study all of this stuff. Yeah. Just because it's it, at this point in my life, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know all of that stuff. But back then, I just wanted to get it out of me. Right. You know, I just wanted to get the stuff out. Yeah. And uh what, when you started playing in Charleston, what was your early career like? Um, did you play with other bands? Did you did you ever collaborate back then? I guess in my early 20s, I was really just, you know, playing. I, I lived with someone who was a musician and 
I would kind of just practice and I was too shy to even play out at that point. Mm. Um, but then when I moved to New York, I kind of got into my, my groove and started playing on my own. And, um, a couple years into living there, um, just meeting people and starting to play with them. And then I would come back to Charleston and play a couple shows. Um, but yeah, here it wasn't, like I said, I was just friends with everybody who, who were musicians and I was just like, yeah, I'm working on some stuff, but um, I don't know if I'll send it to you. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Sure. No, you know, just being insecure <laughs> about it. Um, it's it's nice to go to a place like New York where there's so many people that you can be cut, you, that you can f- not be embarrassed. You can go right. play a show and completely bomb it and 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 nobody you, you might never see any of those people ever again in your life. Yeah. You know, there, so there's a nice anonymity yes. to living in New York. You come here and like you can be playing, more pressure. Yeah, you can play <laughs> on an off night in the tiniest little bar and there's somebody in there who knows you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so yeah, it's a little bit more intimidating to play in a smaller area, I would imagine. Yeah. It's it's hard. I don't watching these bands that that are growing out of here and musicians, you know. It's kind of you don't you don't want to oversaturate yourself in an area, but like where do you go? Yeah, you know we're we're in such a strange location for music because we have this awesome independent music scene here out of necessity because none of the regional bands come here. No, we're off. You know we're we're not on the ninety five track really, um, so people usually pass us by and go west. Or yeah. they go, go from Charlotte to Atlanta, and right. it's like, dude, what about Orlando Colum- or at least something. Columbia? You were passing yeah. through there, right? Just stop there. It's like we're too <laughs> far away because we're right on the coast, but yeah. At best, we get bands on the on their like fourth leg of the tour when they're hitting all the those little pockets that they yeah. missed on the first three legs. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, Which is nice though, because sometimes you see uh, bands and they they sound their best because they've been playing for like a year. Yeah, true. <laughs> They've just been on the road the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, I've been privileged enough to be able to work these, the Ben shows that I saw you yeah. at when you were. Oh, yeah. So that <laughs> you was, can tell that, the story. I wanted want. to get into that. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I didn't expect to see you there. So, so it's just to, to, uh, to, to kind of explain what we're talking about. I was, ta- I was taking photos of was that the was it fits, fits in the tantrums? tantrums or no it might no it might have been um oh gosh and Myers? Um, i don't want to say anything <laughs> negative but that was a weird <laughs> that, that was, was very a weird. weird weird show we can it we can weird. we could talk about that but it's not yeah. fair to anyone because there's no one who, who we, we only have our speculations of what happened at that show right it was a sold out show with half the audience yeah there in other words i think everyone was confused they well i th- I, I think the organizers might have figured it out but we just don't know right is that people bought tickets aftermarket not realizing that one ticket was for a whole pod which the pod shows which is a concept that's very 2020 <laughs> right never really existed before as far as i know but you bought four seats basically in a pod so people were buying they were scalping the tickets and they were buying like two people would come from out of town and buy two pods thinking they were buying two tickets. Meanwhile, they had 
eight tickets. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Spending thousands of dollars. Right. So, and half the field is empty and it's a sold out show. So you're like, what is going on? (laughs) It was a little nuts. Anyway. Um, I digress. That was <laughs> so. So I had walked in to take pictures, and I and and you walked up to me, and you had your mask on, <laughs> and so I totally didn't recognize you. And of course, I wasn't expecting to see somebody who I had just taken pictures of like a week or two before performing to be working security. <laughs> security. That's at right. this outdoor venue, <laughs> and and so such a Charleston music scene wonderful thing is the amount of people the musicians that are working in the music scene supporting the music scene as well as being musicians in the music scene like uh, justin from susto is an easy example of a guy working the royal american working at the royal american Mm -hmm. as like a uh what was he a bar back or something like that and then and and uh next thing you know his band is breaking out of uh, you know doing international touring and, and whatnot yeah. So that was pretty cool. That was yeah. interesting. So, so how long have you had that relationship going? What came first? Um, was it you, your performance that kind of segued into doing other things with that, with, with the music hall people, or was it vice versa? I've known Charles for a while. Um, we've, I mean, we we're not super close, but I know him and, like, you know, what he stands for. And, and he's doing such a great job at Charleston Music Hall. He had just kind of reached out to anyone who was looking for a part-time gig doing the Ben shows. So I reached out to him and um, thankfully he hired me yeah. <laughs> to do them. Heck yeah, especially um, at that time. It's yeah, like, I know. Mm. And, and, and you know, working outside during this, during the pandemic is just, I wasn't too sure about, you know, working inside during this time. So just to be outside in open air, you don't have to really worry about anything. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, we, I've known Charles for a while. I've done a couple of shows at the music hall with Lindsay Holler. um, And yeah, it just worked out so nice. He's doing such great things. And going back to what we were saying about the touring acts, it's great that the bend is, is doing these shows and hopefully there'll be more later. I hope they continue. So hot. <laughs> By the way, I hope they continue. I hope they do too. And I, I think ho- they will. I hope they continue. As- I, I'm, I'm whispering because I, I, I know this might not be a popular segment, <laughs> but I hope they continue as pod shows because uh, I like, I, I mean, I don't like the, 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 the staggering of leaving and coming in, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the, the timing of like how much time it takes to leave and all that stuff. But when you get rid of those kind of protocols, but you still have like assigned spots where you can just kind of like picnic. Yeah, you can and have watch personal a show. space. For the right kind of music, <laughs> like I felt like Fits in the Tantrums did not belong in that scenario. I mm-hmm. felt like it felt like they were still great. They sounded great, but I felt like it fell flat in that environment. It didn't it's make sense to have like dancey kind of party music in a situation where you're... It, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I would rather saying. see like jazzy, bluesy kind of like sit down and appreciate it and right. feel the vibe or yeah. even like a country type of thing. Like, I feel like would work there. Um, psychedelic type stuff, jam band type stuff. Mm-hmm. Stuff where you could get up and dance and, and all that stuff or you could sit down and enjoy it. Yeah. Whereas Fits and Tantrums, you want to be up dancing in a like 
with a light show and yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know like, what you're saying. Yeah. You, that you want that sound of a club, that booming, mm-hmm. that all around sound. And uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just, maybe it's my own personal taste. <laughs> that's just kind of, I'm spitting out like it's some sort of factual piece of information, <laughs> but I, I know, know what you're saying though, as a sit down, like yeah. have your own chair, enjoy the show. Um, and have your own personal space. I think that's important. I, as the older I get, the more I want that. <laughs> uh, Park yes. it. Like, put your chair down. People have like charcuterie boards and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, decorated their, their decorated their decorated pods. Decorated with lights. The, the, and the all Smith kinds and Myers was stuff. extremely um, patriotic. I guess that was was it Memorial Day weekend. So people. Oh, were, it was. Was it? Yeah. They were putting flags all over. <laughs> I was like, oh I was gosh, like, this, I didn't this, notice that so much. But, <laughs> I was uh, like, this crowd is is about you know one statement away from turning into a political rally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes. it was so cool that like you could do that. Like I, I yeah. enjoyed all of that. I thought it was so just a unique experience based on things that have ex- existed. You know, outdoor kind of shows like that have existed but they're usually geared towards older folks. Yes. And so to see, uh, to, to, to not be quite a senior citizen bringing your folding chair to an outdoor <laughs> jazz thing um, and doing it for like rock and roll and whatnot, is, it's kind of nice. Yeah. It's really nice. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> like I said, I, I'm with you. I hope that it continues and I'm yeah. glad that it's there because we're, you know, Charles is kind of bringing people from all over, like big acts that probably wouldn't normally stop over during their tour because Because it's a little out of the way. Right. And we're able to do it here. We're able to do it safely and we're able to bring in a crowd and guaranteed almost crowd. Cause you know, if you're a big act and you skip over the city, when you come, people will pay, you know, yeah. if you don't come very often. Oh yeah. 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 Well, so, so how did you feel working in the music business, like in doing like doing security, security. <laughs> like, first of all, let's, all right, all right, answer, let's, let's answer that. I want to know how you felt like doing that. Like what, what, what's going through your mind as you're processing this? Because you're a young, talented person and you're grateful. Obviously you just expressed how grateful you were for the opportunity to get to work in a, in a safe environment you know, and it's better than stocking shelves at, at the supermarket, whatnot. Yeah. Um, so how, wh- what was you, what was going through your mind as you're watching this whole display? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I think, you know, the idea of doing security, I was kind of like, Oh, I'm going to be security. Are people going <laughs> to listen to me? <laughs> you know, just being a woman and people tend to not listen to authority, especially if it's coming from a female voice. Um, not everyone, just saying some people. Mm. Um, but yeah, I wasn't exactly sure what I would be doing. Um, and for the most part, everyone was really nice. You know, there's always going to be some people that don't want to listen and don't want to follow the rules. And, um, and you know, you kind of have to say something to them, but, other than that, it was nice. I got to see some friends who were enjoying themselves after the pandemic, and it was like their first show back, you know. Um, but yeah, I I kind of enjoyed it. It was I liked being outside and listening to music, even if it wasn't my style of music. <laughs> it was yeah. just nice to hear live music again. It was it was, it was uh, 
<laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> say it. Be, just say it. <laughs> I, you know, I was so distracted during most of the band's set. And this is what I wanted to talk about next. Okay. Because yeah, you were my hero that night. Uh, uh, and I know you're not taking credit for it. <laughs> But you were the messenger, so you are now my hero. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so I was shooting this show, and actually I was talking. We, we were over off to the side of this field. Now, for people who aren't from Charleston and, and who have never been to the Bend, it's this field. It's right on the water. It's in North Charleston. Um, so basically it's this beautiful spot. Kind of gorgeous. Yeah. You would never, you know, you drive, I've driven by there a million times. And until they put up a sign that says the bend outside, I never knew it was even there. (laughs) Like it's because from the, from the road, you, you, you don't realize the expanse of it. This beautiful field. It's perfect. They put the stage up on this little hill. It's very visible to everybody out in the crowd. It's just set up great. And then to the left, you've got the skyline, you've got bridges in the background. Mm -hmm. When the sun sets, it's just this giant, open sky of beautiful puffy clouds it's an amazing that beautiful colors it's so pretty oh. when the sun's setting there and so the sun was setting and i was with some <laughs> friends of mine uh and we were i took some taking some pictures of them and was talking to you and then the band went on like 30 minutes early or something like that I was, whatever it was it was it was like we weren't expecting yeah to start. because you asked me and you checked your phone yes. to see what time it was and so i had my phone yes and I'm talking Key to you. Key point of the story. Phone was in hand. Phone was in hand. I, and I I said, oh, I got to go. I only can shoot the first three songs of these shows because that's, you know, bigger shows. They they have a time limit for the photographers mm. to take pictures because they don't want the distraction of people right. running around. I get it. it. It's cool. So I sprint back to the to the stage as fast as I could with a gimped up leg. I had an <laughs> ankle brace on because I still had an injury. So I'm I'm like half running, half limping back <laughs> to the stage um, to take pictures of the first three songs. And so I take the first three songs and I, when I'm done, I sit down at, at, in my pod with my friends and I go to grab my phone because I immediately take the pictures and transfer like a few select ones and send them to the promoters, the people who hired me. And so um, I went to go do that. There's no phone in my pocket. <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm, I'm retracing my steps. I was like, oh, man, I was all over the place. So there was another photographer there who was with the band. And so I I, I stopped him and I was like, hey, man, if you see, because the, the, you know, there's a whole hill of space that people can't sit on that we're running around shooting. And so I'm like, hey, if you see a phone, I lost my phone during the first three songs. So whatever. And then, (laughs) and then I think I found, I was like the last person who I saw with my phone was you. So I was like, yeah, let me go find Nora (laughs) and tell her, hey, I lost my phone. Um, The last time I saw it was with you. So sometime between the time I saw you and going up stage, I don't know if I dropped it while I was trying to. Um, half-ass run <laughs> and limp. You did sprint. I'll say that. You uh, were like, I gotta go. Yeah. Because we did, we were like, the, the show's starting already? It seemed early. Yeah. You know? It, yeah. It was, it, it took us all by surprise. Yeah. But we didn't know also that the opening band was also the backing band of 
the headliners. So they didn't really have to reset anything. They just had to And they were just a duo. Yeah. They just had to step backwards two steps and the other band stepping, the other two guys step in front of them and they were, they were ready to go. Ready to go. We weren't prepared for that. (laughs) (laughs) We weren't. So I run back to you and I explain what's going on and you're like, okay. And you got on the radio. That's right. People got security radio. Yes. And, <laughs> the and beep, by the beep way, as we call them. So, so th- this is, this is, it makes my heart so warm, <laughs> but, but I think it's important when you're in need in something as sig- insignificant as dropping your phone somewhere, which it's kind of significant these days, but yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's a thing you can replace it. Um, but you know, when you put it out there into the world, like, Hey, I'm struggling. I, I need help. Mm-hmm. And, and I went to, Somebody in this authority figure, <laughs> Nora Roy. Oh my gosh. Uh, I've <laughs> never heard that in a sentence before. <laughs> security uh, extraordinaire. Um, so I, I went to you and you put the word out. You spread the word like wildfire. And I swear within 20 minutes, I went back to my pot. I had kind of retraced my steps. I was looking everywhere. I was just kind of not paying attention to the show or anything like that. Unfortunately, I was just yeah. kind of like preoccupied. I sat down. I was like, man, uh, I don't know what to do. I, I just, I, I guess I'll have to get a new phone. I was like, and, and I have on my watch the ability to ping the phone and it was grayed out. So I was like, I think my phone is off. I mean, it's right, nowhere yeah. near me because if it was near me, I'd be able to like see that it where it was. And like, you know, there's all of these tracking things you can do yeah. with your phones these days. So I wasn't too paranoid about it, but I was still like distracted and annoyed. And then all of a sudden <laughs> you come walking up and you're like, your phone has been located. <laughs> Did I say it like that? Yes. And then like, then you so brought professional. it professional. Um, excuse me. We've located your phone. Sir, 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 I'm going to need sir. you to sit in your square. I've located your phone. The target is located. Um, yeah. Yes. And so I was, it, the the happiness and joy, <laughs> but not of getting my phone back, but just of the success of like putting out there, hey, I'm in need, getting help and having it like work out. Aww. That whole situa- situation made me so happy. You did give me a hug, which I was like, ugh, it warmed my heart. Yeah. Well, I was, you were so happy so, that we I was so excited about, <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I find myself, especially at that time, I mean, I don't know about you, but I took, uh, I, I kind of got like cold cocked by this pandemic emotionally. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I thought I was fine until I wasn't. Yeah. And then I was in a pretty dark place, very pessimistic, very... Um, down and out as far as like mentally, even if I was trying to hold it, it, if trying to hide it, it was just seeping through my pores. Like people noticed, right? (laughs) People close to me knew I was not doing well. So, you know, to to those kind of kind of things that give you like that spark of hope, like, Hey, everyone's not, yes, people are are generally good. and, And I know that to be a fact, but sometimes when you go through something like this, it's easy to start thinking like there are so many assholes, right? You know, yeah. and and to 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 focus in on the negative and the bad, and so then this optimistic situation presents itself, and I, I was just so I was happy on so many more levels than just getting my phone back, right? That's, That's what, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, in like a long winded way. <laughs> <laughs> but I was so excited. I don't even know where it was. I have no idea where you guys found it. I think someone found it where we were. 
by the water. And we must have just missed it. And they, they must have come like right behind us and picked it up because, I mean, it didn't take long to locate it. Or maybe it was on the hill. I, I, but I know you had it in your pocket. So it had to fall out of your pocket on the way to the pod from the water. Yeah. And then, uh, so from now on, I don't put my, when I'm doing like in photo jobs, because I keep my, in my, I keep it in my back pocket. Yeah. And it's a bad spot. <laughs> it's a bad spot, especially if you're crouching constantly. Yeah. So, yeah, I learned that lesson. Um, well, I'm really glad that we found it and that <laughs> gave you that experience because like you said, you know, the pandemic wasn't, wasn't great, you know? Well, I think that you should get a promotion. People. I mean, I know it was your first <laughs> security job, but I think there should be like the next level, uh, like security, security plus or security something Security like plus, okay. Yeah. yeah. Like lead, team lead <laughs> team of security. Lead. You knew how to handle a situation that was nonviolent. There we go. <laughs> Didn't crack under the pressure. Right. That was awesome. Dude. I located the subject <laughs> in less than 10 minutes. <laughs> Seriously, that's like this the is world becoming record. like a crime podcast now. Uh, they're true crime, <laughs> true like, crime. Who had it? Who tried to get into it? And then whose yeah. fingerprints were located on the device once we found it? Oh yeah, and I, you know, and I was calling my wife from my cell phone, <laughs> and like, can you call my phone? But then it was <laughs> ringing on my watch. on my watch, and I was like, oh, hold on, I got to turn off my watch <laughs> so you can call my phone. <laughs> I wonder why it must. That must be like a dead zone or something for. I don't. Because it wasn't pinging. I have no idea. At the end yeah. of the day, not a big deal. I yeah. got it back. They didn't. They didn't do anything. They, whoever turned it in did the right thing. Yeah. And uh, you you have a record. Uh, 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 you're you're batting a thousand <laughs> in your security <laughs> resolution experience. Uh, um. So so you. how did that feel though? Like like uh, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes as a musician as a an artist and a creative and yes i get the grateful situation but also from your perspective mm -hmm. and you're watching this music happening and you're watching the production of it and this whole thing from 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 the perspective of you're a musician but you're working outside of that capacity in the music business still right mm -hmm. for that for that gig uh how, what does that feel like in your head? Do you do you, do you sit there and pick apart things as you're watching this, or are you just kind of focused on doing your job? Um, <clears throat> you know, there's always like a, a kind of a a lull after the show starts, so I you kind of like get a chance to relax and listen a bit. I, I don't really pick apart anything, um, just because I think everyone has their own style and their own way, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't want someone to do that to me. Right. Um, but even on like a technical level, like, oh, how are they getting that sound or how are yes. they doing that? Like that oh, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, even with like the sound, you know, you're always just kind of like picking up cues and I would, you know, sometimes I'd be like, oh, it's so loud. Oh, this sounds like this. And, you know, not that I'm a complete sound person or know a lot about sound because I don't. Um, but, you know, sometimes as someone who's viewing it, you just notice a couple of those things, you know? Yeah. Um, and obviously I think that night they played a lot of covers and I was like, Whoa. 
I think I realized that they were kind of a cover band. Right. It was so weird trying yeah. to figure out what they were. Because I remember look, talking to someone else and being like, wow, they opened this set with two covers. Wow. <laughs> and then they were like, I think they only do covers. Which they did do some originals, I think. But um, yeah, I was just like kind of taken aback a bit. I had never heard of them, so I had nothing to reference yeah. them from. I, I mean, when I when something like that happens, it's like, hey, this band, it's a sold out show. It's this band. And I'm like, are they a Christian band? Because, you know, like there's <laughs> yeah. there's like this whole music scene of like mm-hmm. religious music. Like rock it's, style. and But but yeah. it's I have you ever kind of de- I mean, down here, I, I imagine it might be easier to to be exposed to. But it's it's definitely it's almost like a parallel universe mm-hmm. to whatever's going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Like there's a Christian version of like Taylor Swift. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Like there's a absolutely. Christian version of name your rock band that's popular. And there, you know, I'm sure there's a Christian Phoebe Bridgers. I imagine. Yeah. And you just replace words with God. You just replace well, it's almost <laughs> like, like pronouns they, with God, basically. Yeah. They take the sound almost yeah. or, or the genre, you know, that kind of thing. Like if you're a fan of this band, why don't you check out this band? Mm-hmm. And it's like they're almost like a like an alternate reality version of them, but all of yes. their songs are based in in you know or, or or influenced by religious themes. And so it's I I immediately thought that that's what they were, and then I looked at like their Spotify, and I'm like, these are all cover songs. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of like put it together. Oh, this is the guy from another band. Yes, and, and then okay, so it's Shine Down. It's the lead singer. And he's got this other project and they do acoustic covers and it was a fun thing. And then they, I guess it took off for them. I mean, honestly, it's not my brand, my style that I would pay for, but the people there were diehard fans. And I think they sold so much merch. Like it was insane. The line for merch, I don't know if you noticed because you were kind of closer and the merch tends a little far behind, but um, there was like a, a line, a super long line, almost the entire night. Yeah. And everybody At least for the in first the, half. Everybody in the crowd was wearing wearing the merch. Wearing their mar- <laughs> merch. And it was it was like a crowd full of that guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just wearing the shirt yes. of the band you're going to see exactly. at the show for the band. Anyway, um, that that was pretty um intense. Like mm-hmm. that's a, a weird uh thing that some bands have is the collector mentality. Yeah. I don't know if you if you like guided by voices is a band I brought up. I love Guided by Voices. Um, love Guided by Voices. And they're definitely, if you're somebody who's into collecting things, mm-hmm. if you're a completist or they're the type of band will, that will infuriate you because it's impossible to own everything unless you've been with them from day one. Right. Because they put out so much stuff. So much. And so much limited stuff. So they'll release like, a, a, they'll create like a fake band. Or no, I shouldn't even say fake. They'll just create like a side project, even though it's the same players. <laughs> right. Yeah. And release like a, a vinyl release limited to like 2,500 copies and they'll sell out within five seconds of them releasing it. And you'll never buy them again. You mm-hmm. can get like the digital versions, but you can't get that vinyl. Right. So they'll drag not gonna it. press that again. Yeah, but they they have this in they have this audience that will buy anything they put out. And that's amazing. Like if you have fans like that, those are the best fans, you know? Yeah. Back in the nineties, it was, uh, well, they're still together now, but when I was active and we were a band we were friendly with and and played a lot of shows and toured with was, uh, less than Jake. Mm -hmm. 
yes. ska punk band from Less back in the Jake. day. They had that same thing going. Yeah. They were all about merchandise. Like they I mean, loved it. Bands make their money from touring and merchandise. So Yeah. They learned early on because it was still, I mean, late 90s, you still could make money selling records. Mm-hmm. Like there was still, it was the end, but you it still was viable. It was almost like once Napster, once people got broadband in their house, honestly, because yeah. even even the when Napster download. first came out and people still had a lot of people still had 56K and it would take like half a day to download a song. <laughs> yeah, you you just put it on, like hit, click the download button before you left for school or work or something and come back. And it's like still remaining two hours. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then someone might pick up the phone and you're like, oh, no. God. <laughs> yeah, so that whole, that whole, uh, I feel like Phoebe Bridgers fans are like that to a mm-hmm. certain degree. There, there are some of them that, you know, every pressing of that. a record, they'll buy the new pressing and you're like, okay, that's, that's, that's a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like she puts out a, a good amount of, of music on a consistent basis. She collaborates a lot. Yeah. So uh, there's, there's a, a deep well. In fact, my favorite Phoebe Bridgers music is like the Boy Genius stuff. Oh, I like Boy Genius a lot. Um, new Lucy Dacus album is. I need to listen to that. It's so good. <laughs> and I also want to listen to the new Japanese Breakfast album. I've got that. You've got it, Jubilee. Uh huh. I, I want to listen to yeah. it. I heard one song on the way here actually, on XM. Uh, be sweet. Yeah, be sweet. Mm-hmm. It's it's the whole album's like that. It's it's oh, good. Sweet. Yeah, actually, the intro to that song, the bass line, really reminded me of a Grace Joyner song. I was going to text her and be like, "Hey, listen to this song. Kind of sounds like <laughs> your song, but not." <laughs> well, what are your top? Um, what are your top songs right now? If you had to say, like, right now, current music, new music that has come out in the last like six months. Oh boy, where are you at? Because I've always, I don't know about you, I keep a running list like, in your head list of songs that I'm like. oh. I'm going to go to my phone really quickly. You can't see this, but this is what I'm doing because <laughs> normally when I'm at home, I'm listening to usually Spotify playlist and they're mm-hmm. usually old music, in. honestly. Um, like the other day I was just trying to get some stuff done and I was listening to Alice Coltrane, mm. which I love. Um, but recently as, as far as new music, Let's see. The other day I listened to this band Squirrel Flower. Squirrel Flower. Squirrel Flower. I have not heard Squirrel Flower. <laughs> I love this. I think they are a New York band. I'm not exactly sure, but I follow them on social media and I like kind of what they're putting out. Um, Squirrel Flower. I like, let's see what else. What just recently came out that I was listening to? Oh my God. Did, well, what so do you think of that? The, the Sharon Van... And Angel Olsen. That's great. Song. That might that's in my top five songs of the year. It's so good. It's that two of good. my favorite artists. Yeah. Of all time. <laughs> um and for them to hit it so hard out of the I mean, it's such an obvious, like the 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 main like riff is a hundred percent born to run from Bruce <laughs> yeah. Springsteen. Yeah. And it's so obvious that. that it works. Like, it's like, they're not trying to like pretend, oh, that's coincidence. It's like, yeah, nah, dude, you knew what you were doing. <laughs> they knew, they knew that it was going to hit, you know? Yeah. It's got this anthemic quality to it. It's just like, yeah, man, come on. Um, Yeah. I listened to this playlist. I really need to get on the new music trend, to be honest. I know new artists and I mm-hmm. 
Sometimes I'll, like, I listened to Doja Cat the other day, which I know she's not, like, new, but just some of her singles that are good. It's, like, good pop. Yeah. I enjoy it. Well, it doesn't um, have to be new artists, just music that's come out, like, that even, you know. Any kind of new even releases. Even Paul McCartney put out, like, that remix album. Oh, yeah. Of the of his, his last album. And then other artists, like, kind of remixed it or redid some redid of the songs. It. Yeah, and the stuff that uh, the Sharon Vanette, and I think it's like the tenth anniversary. Um, yes, with, the re, the covers. That, yes, like it's all idols doing covered covers. a song, yes. and um, you know, just a bunch of people that I kind of wouldn't think, but I love it. I love idols, but um, yeah, that's one that's sticking out in my head. Um, have you have you seen her live? By the way, I have not seen her live. Yeah, she's good. And I really like, she's on my bucket list. I've she's, been a fan of hers for so long. I don't know why I haven't, you know. She's got that working class musician vibe as far as like, um, I don't know. She just comes out and does the job. She's yeah. not, no glitz, no, no, um, she performs pomp and circumstance. She just comes out. She's just straight up. Yeah. Um, I'll bring it back to like a Bruce Springsteen type <laughs> of like working, you know what I'm saying? Just yeah. busting her ass. By the end of the set, she's just soaking wet with sweat and just, you know, there's, it, it, she's working. Yeah. And, and it's She's great. up there. Yeah. She's good. She's great. Have um, you, have you listened to Torres at all? Yes. Her new Doesn't she song, have a new album? It's coming out okay. soon, but her, her, uh, the first single she, she, um, she put out is the most poppy, glorious, like, drippy love song but done as because she is just so slightly awkward Mm -hmm. she has such a weird phrasing about the way she constructs like verses and lyrics and and the way she 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 will sandwich words in it without making it sound (laughs) awful like it'll and she'll bend notes vocally that like you're like there yeah and but it works it's so unique to her so she could take something that it that maybe would come across a little, a little too mm, glowy and, and, and fluffy and, and make it just amazing. And like, yeah, that's, that's what I feel like her stuff. She's in such a happy place right now. I guess she's in a good relationship. Yeah. (laughs) So I follow her on social media also on Instagram and that's what I've noticed. Um, I think she's married and super happy and yeah, I really liked her previous album i can't remember the name and there's like a blue cover but some of those songs i was like i really resonated with me and her voice and um i got into her on this to her second album the sprinter sprinter okay and that was that was when i got into her and then um she did uh, her last record on 4ad which is like a major label yeah um was just so good and then she got dropped from the label because she wasn't selling enough sale uh records i guess she wasn't they said she wasn't commercially like she had no commercial appeal appeal, yeah which wasn't hitting the numbers they wanted her to (laughs) i'm rolling my eyes very heavily because that album was so good i think that's three futures yeah I think um, that's the one I'm talking about. It's it's kind of yeah. her sitting in the middle of like on a couch. Yes, and it's a yeah. painting, right? No, no, no. The no. painting one is is Silver Tongue. Silver Tongue. That's the one that I with like a UFO to. in the background. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And that that's her her uh, wife's 
painting. Oh, yeah. Jenna Griffin. She's amazing. I kind of went down her uh, Instagram rabbit hole uh-huh. and I really love her work. I think she, she's in the current issue of Juxtapose magazine. Okay. Which is, that's big time. That is. That's like the Rolling Stone of, of, uh, for artists, artist yeah. of pop art, music, uh, pop artist, not pop artists. I mean, like current contemporary, yeah. um, artists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like not music artists, painter type, painter graphic. Day. All that kind of thing. Visual artist. There yes, you go. There That's go. the word Visual. I'm looking for. Hey, <laughs> hey. <aye, aye. laughs> I got to listen to that album. Yeah. But that's on Merge Records. Yeah. And so I'm not taking credit for this. <laughs> I'm not taking credit for this. I'm secretly taking credit for this. Okay. Let's All hear right. it. <laughs> so when she announced on Instagram that mm-hmm. she got dropped from her label, I tagged Merge Records. I tagged two record labels. I was like, dude, you would fucking, you would thrive on a label like Merge Records or I think I said maybe Saddle Creek or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I was like, you'll, you know, it's just, you'll have that freedom to be you and to change and to, to, you know. And they don't care if you sell a million records, you know. Yeah, because they care about the artists. They don't care about the numbers, yes. which is obvious. You look at Merge Records, like the 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 music they've put out of that label is just consistently good. Even if you don't, if you're not familiar, if you listen to any of their artists, it's always just, it's amazing work. Yeah. And it's not because the, 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 the artist is commercially viable <laughs> or whatever. It's because they're just amazing artists. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, this would be, and then she- Signed with Merge, not because of my comment, but that's. But I you know, know. You, may have a, you may have had a little part in there. You know, I know you gotta, that I basically <laughs> said, "Hey, you'd be perfect on on either of these labels." Yeah, and, and so I will not take credit for it, but I secretly take credit <laughs> I in my will. own head, in my own world, <laughs> in my fantasy world, where I have some sort of power to <laughs> connect yeah, the dots it. between an amazing artist and an amazing label. Okay, I just thought of one other artist that I really like that I've been listening to who just released an album. Faye Webster. I have that record too. You do? I got you it. have everything. I got it in the same box as... As I the guess Jubilee? Yes. Nice. I got it from like the Secretly store or something like that. Yeah. And then, yeah. So that, Secretly Canadian? Probably. Yes. yes. <laughs> so... I, I got that. Those were... Yeah, because they're they're pretty cool when, when you shop on their website. Um. They'll be like, oh, you're buying the Faye Webster album? Why don't you buy this and we'll give it to you for half off? And you're like, okay. <laughs> All right. And then you end up with a stack of records. There you go. <laughs> like, I just wanted this one record, but okay, great. I'll check this other stuff out. I need to buy some records. My record collection has gotten um, obscene. I'm, I'm, you got like a wall full? What do you got going on? I've got, you know, those crates. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four, five, six crates. Then I have furniture, like where my record player is and, <laughs> and, and stuff. So, yeah. It's, it's, That's a lot of records it's not, per crate, you know? Put it this way. I have friends that my, my collection looks silly compared to. Um, but I'm also an adult with kids and yeah. career. And it's, it's really like a lot of real estate yeah. <laughs> that they take up. But I, I want to support, I want to buy the music from bands and artists that I, I believe yes. in. I don't want to just stream it because I know that that 
I mean, while the numbers mean something to them, the numbers help their career. It doesn't pay. So mm-hmm. I'd like I'd like them to continue to put out a physical product and and have that thing. And there's something some, tangible, not just, Spotify, because we know Spotify doesn't pay. I know it. It's, <laughs> it's so, insane. But it's weird because then you got to play the game. Like, okay, I'm going to buy this record, but I'm going to listen to it on Spotify too, just yeah. so that you get the numbers up. I, yeah. And, and I almost I'm playing this weird game now in my head. This is so nerdy. <laughs> by the way, I, I I'm enjoying that you're entertaining my nerdiness <laughs> on this. But like. Apple Music sounds better than Spotify if you have an Apple device. If you have really? like Apple, uh, like an iPhone, mm-hmm. and you play Spotify, and you can even set the settings as close as possible, like to like the quality, or like whatever the settings are yeah. in the apps, it just sounds better on Apple Music. It just sounds better. I'm sure they've curated it that way. They figured some, it out. Yeah. They figured it out. You know, you're listening on AirPods or you know something like that. Apple's headphones on Apple's. Uh, device, yes, their software is going to sound a little bit better. Uh, just a little bit. A little bit, yeah. It's noticeable. But then I'll be like, yeah, but nobody cares about Apple Music play counts. I don't even know if they display them. I, I've never even yeah, looked. Yeah, do they? But Spotify, you know, they have all of the social aspect of it. And I feel like if you're a musician trying to get a gig, mm-hmm. they're not going to look at your Apple Music play counts. No. So then I find myself listening on Spotify <laughs> so that I can make sure that these smaller artists that I like are getting the play counts. Right. <laughs> it's a double-edged sword. So I'm, I'm sacrificing music quality <laughs> to help the band. It's so to get the numbers up. It's extremely overly thought of and nerdy. So to, to like It's considerate. I mean, that's really nice cuz it's an odd way to be considerate too. It's so abstract. When you really, like I saying know. it, I sound like an insane person. <laughs> now, so I know you buy albums, but do you mm-hmm. ever buy singles on Apple, on iTunes? No, I buy my Bandcamp. Bandcamp, good. Yeah. Okay. I won't cool. buy the digital music on, on iTunes anymore. Gotcha. I will buy yeah. the digital music on Bandcamp. Yeah. In fact- It's the best for artists. Well, because a lot of artists now too, so when you buy a record- through Bandcamp, they're going to give it to you digitally as well, even if you buy the physical yeah. copy through Bandcamp. But if you buy it outside of, if you pre-order it from the artist, a lot of records aren't coming with digital downloads anymore. Which kind of blows my mind. Yeah. But, you know. But it makes sense. because I mean, if you're buying records, you probably have a subscription to a streaming service, so you just get it that way. And people it, aren't going to store all of these songs on their devices anymore. It's either physical, like you're saying, as a record or streaming it. Right. But then like that band, I, I don't know if you know that music collective Salt, S-A-U-L-T, they're from the UK. I don't think so. And they put out this amazing like neo soul kind of, it's hard to explain what type of music, but it's very like um, hip hop-ish beats, but more like a lot of sampling, a lot yeah. of uh, repetitive stuff. And it's just Beautiful, awesome sounding music. It's great. And I'm a fan, right? Yeah. Buying their vinyl records is expensive because they import them. They make like limited copies of things like that. So I buy them, but then they don't come with a digital download. And this new record, they just put out a record called Nine. Mm -hmm. And it's only going to be on streaming services for 99 days. And then they're pulling it. (laughs) Mm. 
<laughs> so I went and bought the digital one and the vinyl separately because it didn't come with a digital download. Wow. So, so. You, you spent a penny on that. I spent, and I had to buy, buy the import record. So I'm already <laughs> spending twice as much as I normally would. And then you got to get the shipping and then, then I pay for the... Then, and it I'm must like, be good though. This because, is an investment. Yeah, it's an, yeah. 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 It, it, no, I think it's, I think it's fantastic, but I, I like that idea of dropping something and putting a limited date on how long it will be available on these streaming platforms. Yes, I agree. I'm putting salt in my phone right now. So don't forget S-A-U-L-T. it. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're extremely like just, and they're kind of like a Banksy situation. Like I, people oh, yeah. know who some of the musicians are, but some of them are like anonymous. It's like a performance art project almost. It's pretty interesting. It, it It's definitely, but the music is good regardless of, regardless of any of that around it. You don't have to know any of the weirdness around that to appreciate the music. If I put it on for you, I pl- I play it in here while I'm taking photos of, of people and a hundred percent of the time they're like, what is this? This is really good. <laughs> Like it doesn't matter what kind of music you're into. I yeah. feel like if I put that on, it will it will kind of ring a certain bell in your brain to say, "Hey, this is good." Yeah, yeah. that's the kind of music that I like to listen to if I'm trying to work or um, just relax and yeah. kind of have a, a background music going. I feel like what you're describing is something that I would like to listen to doing that. Yeah. Uh, well, what what is it that? What are some of your other interests in life what hmm. have you done as a career to outside of music um insecurity <laughs> um i have worked in film for a little while i was an office manager for a post-production sound studio in new york that was fun got to beat some Wait a cool second. people not sound one not sound not sound one but c5 which is i think associated with sound one maybe hmm. I have a lot of friends in that industry. Really? A bunch of guys I grew up with. Musicians who went exactly. into that field. Yeah. So a lot of the sound editors that I worked with were musicians um, and kind of, you know, parlayed their career into doing sound editing to make a living. Wait a second. Wait a second. Do you, do you were you familiar with all of the voice actors that do the um, background sound effects? Um, not Foley work. Not Foley, but But voice ADR. actors that do ADR after the fact, and they might be voicing people that weren't, that, that it's not the person on the film, but they're doing, they're like filling in the noise the gaps. in the background of I film. Don't, I don't know any of those actors personally. Um, but I mean, we did, a, we did ADR in our studio, but for the most part, they would go to, um, oh my God, what's the name of the studio? Sound, sound not sound check. Oh my gosh. Soundtrack. Soundtrack. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's also in Manhattan. I um, mean, they would like record this stuff and then they'd send it to us and we'd edit. And Yeah. So you weren't working editor. directly with the performers. You were doing the editing. They were doing the editing and where you were working. Yeah. And it was mainly, you know, directors would come in and like w- listen to the edits. And um, it was cool. I got to meet some really cool people. Uh, Adam Driver. Who I had a huge crush on, nice. and then he was at the studio, and I was like, "Hi, hi, my name's Nora. Nice <laughs> to meet you. Okay, bye." <laughs> um, it was fun, and like uh, Spike Lee, which was mm-hmm. cool. Um, who else? It's funny when you're working in Manhattan into those things, and 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 those type of people. 
and this is just where they work. They come in, yeah. it's just a thing that they do. And, and at first you're kind of like, oh my goodness. Yeah. And then after a while you're like, okay, he's coming today. Make sure you got this, that, and the other thing. You like, it, right. it's just, you, it's, yeah. a, it's work. It becomes work. Yeah. yeah. And I tried not to be the person who would, you know, be overly excited and <laughs> it's with every celebrity that you see come in. But there were some where I was like, wow, this is really cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of pet sounds, we had. Um, Brian Wilson. We had Brian Wilson's guitar in the studio for a while because they worked on the movie and I can't remember the name of the movie it's slipping my mind but there have been a couple of like documentary yeah type things about he was not him. in the studio but mm. um his guitar was there which was pretty cool <laughs> um yeah it was fun and I so I did that for a little while um I also most recently I've worked as a nanny for a family um I also managed a restaurant and served in some restaurants you know just Kind of the, the, the musician lifestyle. The musician lifestyle. Yeah, it's kind um, of like nonstop gig working. Yes, exactly. And I liked working in the office, but it was it was a lot. Um, and, you know, when you work in like a nine to five, which usually rolls over past 40 hours mm-hmm. when you're working in a creative environment, um, I felt like I didn't have space to create my own art. So... Well, there's there's a there's something about living on a schedule, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing where you got to be every day and blah blah blah. Uh, there there's part of it that almost satisfies something in our DNA to kind of have a pattern and, yeah. and you know, like when you're raising, you don't have any kids. I don't have any kids, but but when you're raising kids, yes, like it's important to keep them on a certain schedule and pattern, and it shifts as they get older and all that stuff, and you have to learn to keep you know, changing it and and following along basically. But there's something satisfying about that. But at the other, exactly what you just said, it's not the best thing for wanting to put creative output because you you don't get to choose when the muse is whispering in your ear. Yeah. But it can happen while you're at work and you're (laughs) like, I can't just stop and go like record this idea or write this thing down or flush this out. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So it, it does kill creativity being on a schedule like that when it's not enough. You're being on a schedule for your creativity. If you're like a songwriter and every day you go from nine to five and you just put a pen against a paper or, you know, pick up a pick and start yeah. strumming some chords, eventually that's, you know, the muse will hit you while you're doing that. And then right. you're in you, the right place at the right time. But when yeah. you're working for someone else and you're like, ah, nope. I can't be creative right now. I got to answer this phone call. I, exactly. Yeah. And if you don't give yourself that extra space just for your mental health, your physical health, um, your creative health, mm-hmm. we'll say, then there's not really an opportunity for it to come up. You know, um, if you're just kind of tired from working, right. you don't have that uh, freedom and drive to even create. Anyway, I, I just yeah. felt like it, it, it sucks cut the into life my out life. Of you. Yeah, exactly. And especially in New York when you may be working a nine to five, but you're also commuting at least two hours a day. At least I was, you know. Yeah. It's, it takes 45 minutes. You have to give yourself at least 15 extra minutes for train issues and just to be there mm-hmm. on time. So and just to decompress when you get there. Because yes. the last thing you want to do is go through all of the 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 Manhattan transportation uh, yeah. and then just get right to work because you'll be frazzled every day. Oh yeah. You need a minute to like, all right, let me eat this bagel I bought outside mm-hmm. in the corner on the 
on the <laughs> on the street from, the, from my guy on the quarter. Yeah, this questionable coffee and <laughs> some of the you know some like dollar diner coffee is the best coffee. Oh, yeah. Kind of burnt. I kind of I have a deep appreciation for it. <laughs> and then can you go to I, you can know. I warm up your coffee, yeah. dear? <laughs> I did a lot of that at the studio. Just it's you know giving coffee, getting ordering lunch for people. Mm-hmm. And, and the, depending on what part of of Manhattan you're in. The amount of like tiny hole in the wall places that you discover, those become your favorite things. Yeah. Like you learn to not go to the, the big name, yeah, like food restaurant type places. Oh, yeah. You, once in a while. But you find the little hole in the wall thing that people like tourists would skip over because it looks like a dirty little thing. Meanwhile, Greasy the, spoon. The best food in the world. Yeah. There's <laughs> authentic. This, this place called Johnny's where you could just, you know, you can get like an egg salad sandwich for two bucks. Oh yeah. And that's hard to find in New York. Anything that price is hard to find. You can't get a coffee for less than like $6. Um, so. Yeah. During that time when I first got married and I was working for an electrician um, and I was going to school full time, but we knew in whatever borough we were working in, where to find the cheap egg and cheese uh, on a roll. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like the standard breakfast and it was made the Pretty much the same. Oh yeah, at a certain type of mom and pop deli everywhere in New York City. The bodega like, sandwich. Yeah. yeah, and you would go there and and you'd get it and and um, you knew exactly how you wanted it. And you, I mean, what's your what's your impression of going to order food at one of those places in New York, <laughs> especially? If you grew up there, you don't think of it too much. But if you're someone who grew up here and then you went and spent time there and you get, you adapt to it. Yeah. But tell me about the first couple of times you went to go order food <laughs> in a place like that. Um, God, I can't even remember, but I, I'm sure I was nervous. Um, did you ever get, did you ever get skipped over? In a, in like a fast paced deli? Yeah. Definitely. You have to be, you have to be some kind of aggressive, not, not in a harsh way, but you have to, you know, advocate for yourself or you'll just get run over in general in New York. So, um, you almost have to know your order before you walk into the door. Oh yeah. 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 Not, not like walk in, look at the menu and then make a decision. No, no, no. Yeah. Cause they might call on you the second you walk in the door. Yes, exactly. And it's funny because once you start going somewhere, they'll remember your face and your order. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, oh, egg and cheese on a roll? Cool. Got it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's and done like, in like five minutes. <laughs> How many people come in? How did they know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what did I do that they're, was memorable? <laughs> they're good at what they do. And I'll say like bodega workers are some of the hardest working people, especially the ones that stay open 24 hours and have like all the drunk kids and mm-hmm. adults too uh, coming in and getting a snack at 2 a.m. Yeah, and they're just, they're so even keeled. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're able to just roll with the stupidity that walks in there on a constant basis. The obnoxious people. Yes. But the 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 uh, anxiety of ordering, though, to me, it was always funny. Because yeah. it was just like, if you're with somebody who wasn't, if you know, you had a friend from out of town, and you like try to prepare them, you're like, okay. No, no, no. We need to discuss this before we go in here. Right. What are you ordering? Right. Because if you go in there and the minute you go like, um, um, they'll be like, okay, uh, you step, step back. And when you figure it out, we'll call, call on you. And then like 18 people get served in front of you. Yeah, like nobody has time to coddle you. You just yeah. need to know what you want and go get it. I love it. I love it. It's um, so That's a very unique New York experience. I believe. I don't know. I think so. 
I mean, there are other kinds of situations. I'm sure you go to Philly, you get a different type of version of that, but it's not quite the same. Yeah. yeah. It's a good, yeah. You're just ordering a cheesesteak with a different accent. <laughs> Dude, I went to this one place in uh, Atlanta. Similar vibe. Mm-hmm. But um, trying to order a vegan sandwich in there. And when I tell you this they person. They look at you like you had four heads. No, they were, <laughs> they were absolutely amazing about oh. it. Like the exact opposite. I was so prepared to just be insulted and like. Like, I'm cool about it. Like, mm-hmm. it's my choice and I'm walking into your territory type of thing. Right. And I'm asking you to change what you do for me. But the guy, the, the, the person I made the order, he's like, hold on a second. Hey, Jimmy Bob, whatever the hell the name of the <laughs> other guy was, he, he this guy makes a great veggie sandwich. And this guy made a great veggie sandwich. <laughs> nice. Like, All right. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Accommodating. But it was a similar type of vibe when you walked in there. I was like, oh, I know this. And I'm like preparing myself to get berated. <laughs> yeah. And it's also hard just even walking into a bodega and being like, oh, can I get a vegan option or a veggie? You know? Oh, yeah. No, you just don't go in there. You, <laughs> yeah. Like I would never go in there and order that stuff. I would go and like pick up an apple or a piece of fruit and, and get a just, banana and yeah, yeah. Get, let me get a coffee and, and, and here, this yeah. is it. So I would know better. But in this one, I was like, oh, <laughs> I'll take my, I'll, take I'll take my chances. punches. Yeah. And it worked out. It worked out. It worked out well. <laughs> You'll go back, won't you? All right. So, so <laughs> let me, let's, let's talk on where your, what your future plans are. Okay. Creativity, music, and, and the biz. The biz. The biz. All right. Um, well, I kind of mentioned earlier that I've been working on some songs with Wolfgang, mm-hmm. Wolfgang Zimmerman. Um, we've done five songs. Wow. Yeah. We've That's recorded awesome. five. Um, I am going back to New York in a couple of weeks. So, mm-hmm. um, because I want to kind of keep it the same style since he's producing and I'm kind of, I kind of co-produced some already and then he put his spin on it and some he completely produced. Um, I think I want to probably just release an EP mm. instead of a full album. Which I think is, is, is. I don't think re- releasing a, rec- a full album is even necessary anymore. Yeah. I mean, I had this whole idea in my head of, I want to, I need to do an album. Like I did an EP. I want to do a full album. But the more I think about it and the songs that I worked on, I, you know, there's no pressure to do a full album. I don't yeah. want to just kind of like write songs just to fill some time. Right. I think if you're doing, working on a concept that, that, that begs to be in an album yeah. format, but for streaming, I mean, not everybody listens to a full record when they stream. They usually pick out one or two songs and yeah. add it to a playlist. And Yeah, and that was my thing. If I release EP and just release a couple singles, you know, mm-hmm. it'll be four songs, um, four or five, depending on the time. Um, but so that's where I'm at. Uh, we have still have to mix. And I don't know if I'll have it mastered because that is extra money. <laughs> and a lot of things don't really, in my opinion, need to be completely mastered if I was doing a full album, I might master it, but um, I feel like we'll listen to the mixes and it's hard if, for people to tell the difference. It is, um, and I think I don't know too much about it, but as far as sound quality goes, especially on streaming platforms, I know it helps. 
But if they, yeah, if they master knowing that this is going to be consumed in a lower bit rate and all right. that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I think we'll probably just mix it and hopefully it'll be coming out in the next couple of months. I don't have a set date yet. Um, but I would love to release a single within the next two months. I'm excited to hear it. I'm excited. I, mean, I, I really love what I'm doing right now with this stuff. Isn't and that fun when you can enjoy? Yeah. You hear so many musicians that can't listen to their own stuff, which I get um, because you become critical. You, yeah. All you hear is every mistake and every flaw and, and you're like, I could have done it this way. And I, I get that, that that trap is 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 upsetting. Yeah. But it is nice when you can just be like, oh man, this is this is exactly what I wanted to do and this is what I wanted and this is... This is, you know, the best I can get yeah. at, at this moment. And, and it's perfect in that way. Yeah. What kind of themes are you working with? Um, let's say. The first single. Let me tell you. Yeah. Okay. So the first song we recorded is called Goo, if that gives you any. <laughs> and it's kind of. Goo. It's called Goo. <laughs> and it's, it's almost kind of a throwback boppy vibe, but also with some grungy elements to it. Um, it's not as kind of Americana as my last stuff. Um, it This one is a little more, I don't want to say produced, but mm, it's just a little more chill, I would say. Um, mm. Yeah, there yeah. was, a, there was a, a bite to that first EP. Yeah. You know, you got a little distortion on that. Yeah. You got that kind of, it almost sounds like you're plugged in straight to the board. Yeah. Like that kind of sound, I don't which is a cool chord to it anymore. Can't remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a little more chill. It's still got that like kind of grungy undertone. It's still very much lo-fi. Um, and I think I personally, as a writer, I'm just becoming more vulnerable and open. Mm. So hopefully that translates and people can relate to it because ultimately as an artist, that's, for me, that's what I, you know, I want people to relate to it. That's all of my formative music was me relating to that feeling, you know? Yeah. Being a lonely, weird teenager. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> I want to know what the battles are that you're fighting, that you're like, what's the thing that, that maybe is an underlined thing gotcha. or, or under, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, a thread maybe that's in the background. You might not be singing about it, but it's there. Right. Yeah, so I would say, especially during, because I wrote some of these during the pandemic and some before, um, you know, dealing with depression and um, we talked about it earlier, like not believing in yourself and self-confidence and body image. I would say those are some of the underlying, underlining elements. Um <laughs> See, I screwed it up. I put the underlining. No, it's okay. I'm like underlying lining. No, underlying is the right. <laughs> underlying is the right one. Um, either way, they know what we're saying, yes. right? They can, the little thing that connects it all. <laughs> the, the, the under, uh, underneath the the surface. Yeah. So I think that's. Um, I have one song that's kind of poppy and cute and kind of a love song, <gasps> and then you know the other ones. Goo is poppy, but the. Um, the kind of theme of it is um, trying to pep yourself up. It's telling yourself to get out of that funk and make something happen with it, you know? Yeah. Use that 
use that energy. Yeah. Use that energy. And I mean, I've struggled with depression since I was a teenager. Um, and I have my bouts of, you know, being cool. And then you're like having my depressive months. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pandemic was really hard. And I think writing this song during the pandemic helped me, um, helped me through it. And I, 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 I yes, I, I think that the, the, the outpouring of people like you connecting to those feelings and, and really just putting a sound to it. Yeah. Um, has helped other, the rest of us get through it as well. I hope the, so. The aftermath to me seems to be worse. Yeah. Than the actual going through it, you know? Yeah. Um, like you were saying when you, it was hard for you, it was definitely hard for me as well. And just being kind of stuck in that mindset and realizing that, you know, sometimes it, sometimes you can't get out of your own head. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard to say, oh, I'm going to go for a run. It's like, yeah, but my body tells me that I just need to lay down, you know? So in order to get out of that rut, you do have to kind of take some control, but it's not always that simple and it's not, it's different for every person. So, right. um, yeah, this song kind of, it was a, a note to myself to like, Hey, come on, pep up, let's go. Yeah. Let's do what we got to do. Let's put um, in the work. Let's put in the work. Let's Even if you're it. not feeling up to it, exactly. get up and go. And, and once you get the blood fl- flowing, yeah. You'll, you will feel better. You might not solve all your problems, but you feel a little bit better. But you'll feel better. And, you know, that hasn't been the case in many years. It's taken a while for me to kind of get into that flow. Um, I I am there with you. Uh, <laughs> you're speaking my current language. <laughs> like I've been going through this hard. Yeah. You know, I put a little injury on top of it. So when you take away some of the physical things. Right. Because of that, on top of this stuff, it was like double whammy like yeah you know i got hit with both fists at, at the same time almost and i was just like oh i wasn't prepared for that but yeah the, to to do one of the things that i think is a positive coming out of this mm-hmm. is um it really put mental health yes into everyone's you know vision mm-hmm. like everyone now is has heard or other people talk about it, discuss it in a, in a less taboo way. Yes, absolutely. And I think there's a movement in music right now, um, that, you know, people are talking about their mental health issues in their music and people are relating because it's a relatable subject and it shouldn't be taboo and we should talk Mm -hmm. about it more. Um, so I, I really respect artists who are able to be vulnerable and talk about those issues as well as making good music. Yeah. I think, I think to, to the pushing through it and the talking about it. Yeah. But uh, if you don't say anything, nothing will change. Right. But if you go to the security worker <laughs> and say, I lost my phone, please help me. Mm-hmm. Your chances of finding your phone go up exponentially exponentially so if you cry out to the world i'm hurting and i need help i need some love your chances of receiving that care and love go up exponentially absolutely and i know that's not um an easy thing for a lot of people to do 
Uh, I know for myself personally, it wasn't very easy. Yeah. Just from the way I was raised. But um, uh, learning self-care and being an adult and learning who I am has helped me tremendously. And like you said, reaching out, just ask. You never know what's going to happen. You don't know the outcome. You know, you can't tell yourself that you do because you'll be amazed sometimes if you just ask. Yeah. In any situation, not even with mental health, but yeah, just putting it out there in the world. Yeah. And I, I, I love it. I think, <laughs> uh, I think this conversation, as much as we went on weird little tangents, <laughs> little offshoots, I think we just, we just kind of wrapped up. Yeah. And, and what a, Beautiful artist you are. I am so happy. I was like, uh, man, I'm not lying. When I listened (laughs) to your, to your music, to, to the EP that's out there now, I was like, there's no way I couldn't like this person. Like right off the back, I could just tell from the music you put out there. I'm like, okay, we're starting at an easy place. And then my other experiences of you, I've all been great. So this is another one. I'm so glad that I'm getting to know you and I'm sad that you're leaving, but you're oh. not going far. I'm not going far and I'll still be around. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I may play a show in a couple of months. Once I get settled in New York, I think I'm going to try to come back and um, play a show. Where Where do you think you would play? Where Where's a, um, Where do you think is the right venue for where you are musically? Um, Probably... You know, there's so many options. I, I I think the last show I played was at Royal American, um, just because it's kind of more of a rock vibe. Mm-hmm. Also, the Tin Roof. I love the Tin, tin Roof. roof. Fun. Um, have you played Tobin's? I have not. I've heard about Tobin's, but I've never played. Yeah, it's a weird. It, that that was kind of born through the pandemic as yeah. far as like doing outdoor shows in a courtyard type of place that's gorgeous. I was going to say, isn't it completely outside? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's like the stage backs up against apartment buildings, which blows my mind. Oh, wow. If, yeah. <laughs> they how have you... live music constantly there. And I'm like, oh boy. And is it all plugged music? I mean, I, I saw. It's not acoustic. I saw Baby Yaga and, oh. and Babe Club there. And oh, wow. <laughs> like I saw loud music. There. Yeah. That's loud. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's stuff coming up. Uh, they're starting to do some shows at the, um, the stadium at the Volvo tennis stadium. Yeah. They're going to do some show, smaller shows, not in the stadium outside in the club area. Okay. Um, and so that, that's another new kind of place to showcase music where, where, uh, I think it would be a cool vibe. Yeah. Also, I know I'm running on, but I noticed that the Windjammer is now booking a lot of cool shows. Uh-huh. IOP yes. shout out to the Windjammer. I think cause we lost music farm. Like there's yeah. other things oh. just kind of trying to fill in the, the void oh. because the music farm was the place where if you did get a band, like the, the kind of band I would like to see, that's where they would most likely play. Right. You know, like you know, not a seated venue somewhere that's yeah. medium size. Yeah. 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 If you, if you had, um, I'm trying to think of a, even I think Sharon Van Etten might not work there specifically, but someone of that ilk, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit more yeah. plugged in rock and roll, so a place you'd want to stand up. Oh, Fits of the Tantrums. Mm. I saw them a bunch of times at the music farm. Yeah. Perfect venue for them. Yeah. Perfect venue. Because you can be like up close with each other and just yeah, yeah dancing oh, yeah. and having fun. Yeah. You yeah. dance in the audience and it's like a dance club vibe, yeah. you know, in, in this rock club. It's fantastic. Ugh. 
Rip to the music farm. I had so many good experiences there from the time I was a teen up into my mid twenties. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe it's gone. Oh no. <laughs> but there are new ones and, 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 you know, everything runs its course, I guess. I hope that someone buys it and starts their own version of the farm there. I would love, love to see a multi use place that can transform into like an art gallery yeah for a show and then a dance place and like a, but that's not as formal as the music hall yeah which i love the music hall me too but you know in a seated kind of theater like that it's a different vibe yeah and in a kind of club type of vibe Mm-hmm. It's just a different thing, and I, you, now we've got this hole, yeah, <laughs> this burned up hole, and it's in the best location, and yada yada yada. Anyway, yeah. don't want to get harped <laughs> on negative stuff. We're positive people, yes. And where can people find you? What's the best way to keep up with what you're doing? Um, so if you follow my Instagram, which is at Noriwa, which is N O R E W A A A. Um, I'm going to be posting single releases, um, album updates, stuff like that. Uh, I also have a link on there to a mailing list that I'm starting if you'd like to join the mailing list. Mm. Also, Bandcamp if you'd like to purchase anything. Bandcamp is the place to go. Yeah. Stream me on Spotify. Just recently joined Spotify. But, you know, Bandcamp's the place for artists where they can actually uh, make money off of their art. And we love them for that. Oh, yeah. Most of the money goes straight to the artist. Yes. Bandcamp takes so little. And then they do the Bandcamp Fridays where yeah. they give all of the money I to know. the artist. And they've, and, and they've continued to do that throughout the pandemic, which I think is amazing. I mean, I think they should just keep doing it, period. Yeah. You know, Monster Music has their vinyl, was it Saturdays or something like that? Oh. Vinyl Saturdays, every, the first Saturday, or is it Sunday? I don't know. Yeah. The first something <laughs> of the month, they do like, you know, 20% off all vinyl. Oh, I everything. didn't know that. Yeah. I might hit that up before I leave. I haven't been there in a long oh, yeah. time. Oh, yeah. It's the beginning of July. Yeah. Right? This week. Almost. As we record Can you this. believe it? Right. So there's there's going to be a 20% off vinyl. So if you've been looking to buy some box and they do it even on the box sets too. Wow. I don't know why I'm giving it a And those a, are a free expensive. Time. We were plugging. <laughs> we secretly work for them. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see. <laughs> don't steal from there. She'll be working undercover security. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really not going back to New York. I'm just going to hang out at uh, Monster Music and be security. She's going to be behind the double pane glasses. A mustache and big glasses and you won't know who I am. (laughs) Well, I I will link that up. Um, Well, not Monster Music, but your your Instagram and Spotify and Bandcamp and the show notes. And you are amazing. You are. I am so happy that we we sat down to do this. Thanks so much. And uh, I can't wait to hear this new music. I can't wait to share it with the world. I love seeing great artists work with people like Wolfgang because, you know, it's just going to be amazing. I love that guy. All right. Peace. All right. Bye.
before you get going, don't forget to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And also, you can check out more at jwnpod.com or follow me on Instagram at joelatex. That's at J-O-E-L, the number eight X. Have a great day. Peace. Man.